So, in the, when, when we do, uh, like in the positions we're in, when you, when you, this is where you need to kind of really develop that sense of refuge, because uh, if you don't, then whatever you do in life, you're always going to be embarrassed by life, or you're going to just be caught in personal uh, emotional reactions to things. And you have no refuge to go to, so you just maybe avoid situations that embarrass you, where you just, you know, try, try to sit in the back behind some uh, behind Venerable Javano. <laughs> Something like that. Just to, to, so that you won't come into existence for people. People will, I won't, maybe I'll overlook you. In uh, I think of uh, also like reflections aren't you know, necessarily criticisms. One isn't one isn't uh, saying that the British shouldn't be the way they are, or that there's a better way to be. I'm just trying to bring up uh, just reflections on how British people appear to me, or. You know, it's not it's not like I think that they shouldn't be that way or that it's wrong. I'm not saying that. And some of the qualities I I, I respect, some uh, you know I really like, and uh, but then taken to an extreme, like modesty taken to an extreme, becomes a bit silly, doesn't it? If you're too modest, it becomes you become annoying to people. Where modesty, as in the right proportion, is a beautiful virtue, as a kind of extreme position to take, it's just downright aggravating. <laughs> because it's dishonest, you know. It's just too. It's not. It's not in proportion. <clears throat> it's taking something to an extreme that's not real, not true. So when we when we when we develop when we become attached to modesty and and self disparagement or things like this or, or even the idea of being humble it becomes it becomes <laughs> a absurd <coughs> trait where in it in its proper proportion it's beautiful like humility and, and modesty deference. Assertiveness and aggressiveness, and, and that has that has a, in, mod, in in proportion. That's also very good, but in in taken to an extreme, it becomes uh, unpleasant. But, and this is where mindfulness, wisdom, help us to <coughs> to to uh, be intuitive and sensitive to a situation to to know when to 
go forward or retreat or we're trusting in in an intuitive sensitive intuitive sensitivity rather than in the ideas and views about ourselves and what we should and shouldn't do always the self-conscious feeling and and uh, the uh, embarrassment that comes from that Also notice that, that, you know, like this happened many times, I'll, I'll say give a talk and then somebody will, will become really upset or offended by something I said because they think I was talking about them. And uh, they come up to me and uh, I was really surprised because I didn't even think of them at the time. I wasn't thinking about them at all and yet what I said, they were taking very seriously. I mean, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking, I was uh, criticizing them personally. I mean, it's, uh, remember that, that these are reflections rather than uh, kind of you know, don't see them as personal attacks because uh, if these are these are phrased in such a way that they are merely for reflection, not for intimidation. And if you get intimidated by it, then, then then really watch that. Learn from that feeling of being under pressure, under uh, or being exposed, or being criticized in public, or whatever. It's uh, it's really important to to be able to see uh, that and not be caught in it, because each one of us is the center of our universe. So we think somehow. You know, that even though humility-wise we might think I'm really insignificant nobody, yet as, a, as existential experience, uh, we're the one that's feeling this moment. And I don't know how you're feeling right now, I'm feeling this way. So what, what is, you know, this is just this is the way it is, I, I can't help it. I'm feeling this way, this is the way it is. So I can I can interpret everything from a very egocentric position of, of everybody's thinking of me right now. <coughs> Everybody, uh, if somebody says something, it, they're talking about me. Or you, you can even get really balmy by thinking that, you know people that are just sitting quietly they're they're thinking about me. Or you get paranoid. You think that that. Uh, you know, Elaine is, is now sitting there plotting my uh, plotting a, a, a coup d'état to do me in. <laughs> I mean, one's mind can be that balmy, you know. So I mean, it's because you know the, because even though, but why do we do that? Because we we are the center or our experience of life. And, and if you're not reflective and not aware of how your mind works, then it's easy to just think that, that everyone has it in for you, or everyone, 
is thinking about you or anything that's said is about you. And that is, uh, I mean, that goes into mental illness, in fact, to paranoia. But that's also, you know, oftentimes how it seems because we are uh, we are the rece- receptor for everything at this moment. I'm, I'm the receiver at this moment. I'm feeling this moment. You're feeling this moment, but I don't know what you're feeling. I know what I'm feeling. <laughs> so, so that's uh, just the way it is. Then the tendency to think that one's own particular problems are unique and no one else has them. It's another delusion that that I have these problems uh, and I'm this way, but nobody else is. So when I bring something up, like jealousy or something like that, they think, he's talking about me because I'm the one that has the problem with jealousy. He's not talking about anyone else because nobody else seems to have that <coughs> problem. So you know, here I am exposed to the to the community, being made fun of and exposed uh, because everybody knows. <laughs> Is, uh, but yet, everybody suffers from jealousy. That it's the most common human, uh, one of the most common human problems. So I mean, if so, when, but then one can take it very personally, like a personal attack. Because that's might how that might be how it seems, and sometimes we really think that that I'm the only one that has this problem, and the rest don't. But we are when we, and I think it was a relief to me to find out that <coughs> when I began to realize everyone else had the, had similar problems, not that I was glad that they had problems, but I was relieved that I wasn't the only one, <laughs> because. When you when you're caught inside your own head and, and locked in incarcerated inside your your mind and you don't <coughs> and you just t- relate on a very superficial way to everyone, then you tend to think you, you tend to not uh, you tend to think you're the only, you're the one that is uh, that has these problems and everyone else doesn't. But the fear. How many in this room don't have fear at all? Or anger? How many of you never feel anger? Or greed and lust? How many never feel <coughs> How many never get worried? <coughs> never feel worry or anxiety? Or how many never feel embarrassed? Or self-conscious? I mean, it's just <laughs> is a common uh, common ground for for humanity, and this is whether you're in Thailand or in I mean, it's it's, it's not just cultural either. <coughs> Thailand, or, that's where Dhamma is uh, is a universal truth because it's not it's not uh, talking about British people or Thai people per se. Those are conditions. <coughs> That's how we're programmed, culturally programmed, to to res- to res- respond or react to things in various cultural attitudes. But basically, the human heart is pretty much the same. 
also this the is a the negative way of this always really uh, the, the inner tyrant of always everything you know everything you do is you're criticizing and I've suffered from this a lot you know like give it us to give a talk and then and after people say oh that was a really wonderful talk like this oh I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have put it like that or it wasn't you know listening to my own tapes is real torture for me I never listened to any of my own tapes and I hate to have pictures of me around and I detest reading my own books (laughs) you know why because I can read other people's books and it's alright but reading my own or listening to my own tapes my critical faculties are go, go berserk absolutely go berserk I can listen to anyone else's tapes and I can quite enjoy them and not be very critical but but my own so when, whenever I do anything the, this, uh, it's, a, the, it's a awful tendency of my mind to just pick up on the thing that I didn't, didn't the flaw or the little thing that wasn't quite good enough and just make a mountain out of it blow it up into a huge thing when it's really you know and you ask somebody about it oh I didn't even notice (laughs) 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 so I mean this is this is a self-consciousness isn't it where and and self-criticism where you just you just so uh, you know and and I realize it's, it's a it's a soulless habit it's it has no soul to it it's just it's a habit it's I realized that even if if I wrote the best book in the world acclaimed by the great literary authorities that this is absolutely the best book written in English ever much better than Shakespeare and the rest and that I and that I gave the best talk in the whole world there's nobody there's more gifted more skilled speaker than myself and I got all the accolades and, and prizes that the world could offer, you know what would happen? My mind would still think, but you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> so even, even, even being acclaimed and praised doesn't solve the problem because it's, it's a soulless habit of the mind. It, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any heart. It doesn't have any perspective. It just something that goes you shouldn't have said you shouldn't have you shouldn't think like that you shouldn't be like that and no matter how good or saintly or careful or mindful or this, this if you don't recognize this habit as a habit then it's always going to to kind of go off and and, and give you uh, make you feel rotten make you feel terrible So this is where one needs to be aware of this as a habit, not as a not, because if you try to suppress it, it doesn't work either. Like I sh- because it's it's built on the same principle. You're just fueling it by trying to to I shouldn't think like that. I always think like that. I shouldn't be self critical <laughs> 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 Then you hate yourself for hating yourself. 
And then you hate yourself for hating yourself for hating yourself. By that time, you, you want to go down to the cock and bottle. <laughs> then <laughs> you really hate yourself. Though. But at least it's, it's based on more something that you can hate than say that uh, some minor little thing in the, in the consciousness. So I don't trust that. I don't trust the, the inner critic at all. It's a liar. It's a habit. It, it's not to be uh, believed in. And it's not self. It's, it's, just a, it's just a mental habit one acquires through. It's a very common problem in, in, the, in the Western world, especially in, like in, uh, in, in um, Northern European people, I think, in Americans. White Americans tend to have it a lot. British. And as I get to know women better, I think women have it a lot too. It's just a incredible uh, uh, high rate of negativity against themselves. So this is this is uh, this is to be acknowledged as something for what it is. It's not to be. To, that's why why one needs to really look at it. And, and acknowledge it rather than, than analyze it on, on a, as a personal problem. Don't make it into a personal problem. Don't, because you believe you believe it is a personal problem, then you become somebody with problems all the time. But if you can just see it as dhamma, it's, it's just the programming of your mind. It's just like you got the, the floppy disk that in your head that goes around like that. Kind of, what do they call it? Computer viruses. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> in in uh, reflection, then on on on, say on refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, it's not a matter of you taking me taking refuge in whether I can do it or not do it. It's, don't, don't think in terms of whether I really believe in Buddha Dhamma Sangha or whether I can really appreciate that or the, the I and, and all this. It's not the, this uh, we're not approaching refuge from, from the personality. But this is, a, this is a, a real refuge in being here and now. And, in, and using those words, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, to, to help you to center yourself, to establish that sense of awareness with the with the, the karma that you're experiencing, and then the, these are words. But then this comes from you know comes from the head. But then the more as you practice and trust and just be patient, 
can take patience and trust and confidence, then you're getting into into the heart. You feel more, uh, you feel at ease within the, in your heart. You'll be able to open your heart. Well, you can't open your heart if you, if you're just very much obsessed with your own thoughts and ideas and self uh, and your problems and your faults. It just triggers off everything. It actually triggers off these uh, these uh, reactions. So I like to just like in the morning chanting, I, sitting there. One like on a peace vigil, even there's a sense that one should be spreading peace. Somehow, just the idea of having a peace vigil, and that one, there's just then the idea that figures off this. I've got to spread peace. And and as soon as you go along with I've got to spread peace, you're going to spread peace from your brain. You know, the old Iraqis be happy. <laughs> that kind of thing. And so you you but it it doesn't really feel peaceful from your brain, does it? Not to me, just the kind of kind of sentimental meta. Doesn't doesn't reach my heart, and and it's still after doing that you don't feel very peaceful by doing it until you till you really see that be just be peace itself being the peace being that peaceful being non-contending being aware and and uh, and being peaceful with the compulsion that you should. If you should spread metta, or you you should be doing something, and if you and if you get to that that uh, that that cause of this kind of this bawadanha problem, then and you re- recognize it, and see it, and it, it's not a, not a problem anymore. There's, there's no grasping of it. So one is feels a sense of well-being and being at ease with, even with the, even if one isn't feeling well. Or one may not be particularly feeling good that morning or fit or awake or what. But if you, if you always work from the, from that, I've got to conquer the kilesas and I've got to Spread the metta, and I've got. There's always this. If we if we don't uh, really see that as a, a kind of motivating cause, then you get caught caught into the bawadanha all the time, rupawadanha, and so the result is always a sense of kind of despair, mm. feeling uh, somehow discontented with the result that we get from bawadanha, doing things to desire. I used to practice the, it's a sense of just letting go, dropping everything, and just, just a sense of relaxation, just being, trusting, and uh, Reminding myself that one inevitably gets caught up in one's habits again, but 
just the more you, you remember that and trust in that, then the more you, you, uh, say you really are developing the path, even when you think you aren't. Your mind will probably be saying, oh, you're a hopeless case, you can't do anything right, you're, going, you're getting nowhere. <clears throat> but don't believe that. That's a, that is a liar. Conditioned mind is a liar. This is not to be trusted. Because uh, you can't judge, you don't, don't judge yourself from your conditioned mind. Because, it, you, you did it because the conditioned mind programmed most, for most of us to just be critical. You can't, you, you know, you're not doing it right, you can't do it. And you should be better than you are. And that, that the conditioned mind is, is, uh, is soulless, it has no heart, there's no compassion. No perspective. It's just, you know, it's just the the push button computer. Push the button. Blah blah blah. Push this button. Da da da. Wah wah wah. Boo boo boo. <coughs> Works every time. You push the button, you get the same reaction. So then, in the in the heart. I mean, the, heart, the refuges are, are heartfelt. When they be, when they're just ideas in your head, then of course they, you know, you end up just doubting them. I don't know about Buddha Dharma Sangha. You think about it, you know, it doesn't. You can just get critical about it, but or doubt it. And this is where the uh, where patience, being patient, humble. In just little way, not in grand scale things. I mean, I've, I've got to be patient and, and, and kind of criticizing yourself for like just just try to be a little more patient than you ordinarily are. Work on only just kind of minute levels of just being a little bit better than just suddenly trying, being trying to change overnight into a saint. Really, really, just just being a little more patient is all you have to do. You don't have to become perfect patience, but, but just uh, be a little more patient than you ordinarily would be. And see that, that it's like this, so that you're, 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 you're actually succeeding in it. Or if you're aiming at the highest goal, you're always going to fail. I've got to be patient. And then immediately you're impatient. And, oh, there I go again, hopeless case, can't do it. But if you... If you determine, uh, I feel really impatient, and I'm fed up, and I can't stand it anymore. Be patient, and even if you're patient, just two seconds more, and then you set up and go out. You've still been successful. <laughs> it's a measure of success. <laughs> because uh, before you wouldn't have the. The two seconds longer were, were impossible for you, and now you've, you've actually been patient two, two more seconds. That, I see that as a success story. But your critical mind then going to go say, oh, it, you always, you can't wait, you failed again, you're hopeless. And so then the, 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 the old inner tyrant just nags, nags endlessly. 
and and it and there's no ability. So it, it may not be impressive, you know. You might not, not people might not even notice that you were patient two seconds longer than you usually are. And then when you do go off, you know, you lose it. And then you start hating yourself. Stop right there. As soon as you see, because you're, it's a pattern, it's like a cycle. And wherever you break the cycle is you're weakening that whole pattern. It's not like, like say, if, if you get angry, if you're easily angered, and, uh, and you... And you think, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get angry. And you, and you vow, I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to control my anger. And then somebody does something really sets you off. And I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to. And then suddenly you blow up and you explode and make a scene and stomp out. And then, then you think, oh, I'm hopeless. I wasn't going to get angry anymore. And, I, and then, as soon as you're aware that you're proliferating. Then you, you actually stop the cycle for a, for a second. Trust in that. Even, even, even after you've blown up and made a scene and then started feeling guilty about it, as soon as you're aware that, that, that that's mental proliferation in your mind, that's actually you, 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 you uh, slowed down the cycle. So it's not, it's not, you know, there's always, it's, it's, uh, we're trying to to let to see this pattern, this cycle, and and even if you fail to, to control it at the beginning, you can wherever you're awakened to, wherever you're mindful on that cycle, is is where you can begin to let this this whole thing fade away. So where we tend to go into you know like, I get angry, I vowed not to get angry, I get angry, I blow up stomp out of the room, feel guilty, and then uh, and then get caught in, but I'm not going to get angry again, and then something happens, I get angry again, blow up, stomp out of the room, feel guilty, then I'm not going to get angry again, and it's a whole cycle, you see, of um, things, that just one conditions the other. But but trust in wherever you wherever you cut yourself wherever you see it, that's where you where you can can break the, the the habit. You may not be able to break the habit where you want to at the beginning, but eventually it'll get there. <laughs> you will, it will uh, you'll be able to you know as as it as the the uh, other aspects of it lose their power, <coughs> then then the whole thing starts. Fading out, its its power and strength is not being reinforced, and it's being weakened through awareness and understanding of it. That's where we, we all need to to realize that. I mean, when somebody does go over the top, you know, don't don't make any big thing about it, because we're trying to to, get, to help people to to uh, to see to be able to. To uh, learn from their experience, rather than just, you know, be condemned for for acting badly or or 
you know, being punished for for bad behavior or whatever. The, the, that doesn't really help. That just reinforces the uh, the bad habits. It reinforces the sense of personal failure or, or uh, reinforces despair, which is absolutely not going to be a benefit to anybody. I'm all the way from Romania. Very far. Especially <laughs> concerning uh, the differences between the culture and education. Uh, I hope that you will be um, kind with me because uh, maybe I can make some mistakes, you know. Maybe you will uh, think I don't behave properly. But I want first to excuse me if I'm wrong. You know? Thank you. <laughs> <coughs> That's a very proper thing to say, actually. <laughs> <coughs> I'm all the way from Romania. Very far. Especially concerning uh, the differences between the cultures and education. Uh, I hope that you will be um, kind with me because uh, maybe I shall make some mistakes, you know. Maybe you will uh, think I don't behave properly. But I want to ask you to excuse me. I'm wrong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <coughs> That's a very proper thing to say, Reflect on the the um, the way it ends, the end of the retreat. The, where you keep being with the way it is. Let it bring your mind to 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 not look backwards or forwards, always dwelling in the past and present, but but be with the flow of life. Train yourself to really. It's like this: end of retreat, uh, transition from formal winter retreat to ordinary monastic life. So that you're getting a feeling for it. It's in your consciousness. It's in present in your mind. You're not otherwise you will just <coughs> tend to react to things again. Just create reactions. And either you know, if you if you've had a hard time on the retreat, then you'll kind of throw yourself into activities and 
want to do everything, or if you if you really like the stillness, quiet, uh, uh, undemanding life of this retreat, and and uh, and you you want more of that, then you'll you'll you'll, you'll believe those desires, and you just create and reinforce those those desires in your behavior. So so really, really uh, emphasize the importance of being aware of transitions. It's always the idea of mindfulness of the beginning, the middle, and the end. Beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, and the end. This this isn't just poetic phraseology, but it is a direction uh, so that you're, you're, you are with it, with actually being with the flow of life rather than resisting uh, or just not being with anything but your own particular um, problems and views. Monastic life, remember life is, this is a, uh, a uh, in, in the Thai they say tam. it's a kind of Dharma procession. Everything is is uh, in a, is in this in this flux change. Is, is the way of life. Is the way consciousness is. Uh, and if you if you're not open to the flow of life, then you're always kind of caught in resisting and holding back, or or going too far. Always looking toward the future, or or anticipating something in the future. So you're never in the flow of anything, even of your own breath or your own Consciousness, you can be totally out of touch with your body, with your with your mind. You're just caught in in, in these incredibly uh, bad, incredible bad habits of of attachment to perception and condition. And that's dukkha. That's suffering. You're always you're always going to be there, no matter how many retreats you go on, and and how refined you might be able to make your mind in in controlled moments. Um, you're still you're still manipulating everything. You're still not not in the flow of life. You're you're manipulating and creating your own place, your own niche, following your own ideas, and that of course always leads to despair, loneliness, and sense of isolation, alienation, and, and that, that's why why we do feel so sad and so lonely so much of the time. Because of these rigid, the rigidity, uh, the, the way we hold ourselves into views, opinions, and attitudes, so that the flow of life is seldom realized. Maybe in a moment of um, uh, suddenly you let go for a moment, you experience a blissful state. But it's more by accident than by realization. And sometimes, when you, a beautiful natural scene will suddenly tear away all your resistances in your and your attachments but then you don't have the wisdom you think you just have to go out looking at beautiful scenes to feel bliss because you interpret you, you always tend to to uh, think that that it's the objects that are liberating you it's the person it's the desana it's the retreat it's the, the beautiful sunset so you're always going around looking for Objects that that make you feel good or make you feel <coughs> peaceful, uh, and that's uh, sila bata You just you just 
still attached to to the objective form as, as demanding kind of relief and happiness and peacefulness from the aramana. So, if you and if you don't learn how to to be mindful of the flow of life, then of course you are going to be just reinforcing all your grasping, be caught, stuck in these. And being getting very attached to this or that or routines or principles or views or people or whatever. So it's the surrender and and letting go and and, and uh, being being aware uh, of the way things are. So that they. These are conventions. Yes, retreat, beginning of retreat, middle of retreat, end of retreat, Magha Puja. Uh, all these things are uh, the conventions of our life, <coughs> the uh, domestic life. So it's all right to have conventions. There's nothing wrong if you if you're not grasping them. If you grasp ideas and ideals of retreat. And monasticism or anything, then of course you're, you're going to always feel a sense of, <laughs> of uh, dissatisfaction with everything. They say the suchness as isness. Life is like this. Consciousness is like this. The conventional world, the end of, of the winter's retreat. And the transition to kind of ordinary monastic life is like this. It feels like, however it feels, it's not supposed to feel any particular way, because you're 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 opening to just the sensitivity of a moment. You're not you're not trying to become somebody who feels a certain way about anything, but it feels this way. So that if it feels good, bad, indifferent, high, low, wonderful, horrible, it's just that it's that's just the way it is. That's that's just the the way you're experiencing it at this moment. It rises and ceases. So you're, you're bringing, you're allowing consciousness as a kind of cleansing, a door of, of, of that, that allows all the impurities and, uh, that come through ignorance and attachment to be released. It's only by allowing your life to be fully conscious in all its aspects that, that uh, you can be liberated from misery and suffering and despair. So consciousness, which is, which is oftentimes seems like the very thing that makes us miserable, is also the very thing that that will uh, is the door that that say the these uh, these prisoners, these these things that we keep in the attachments that laces the defilements, all these that we that we keep incarcerated, imprisoned in our minds, in our hearts. We're letting them out through consciousness. What does that mean in a practical experience? You have to be conscious of them. Allow them to be co- consciously, to be aware, to be to to recognize them as dhammas, the whatever arises ceases.
this way, you, you're integrated into whatever happens in your life. If a scud missile lands on Amravati, or uh, whatever, it's still part of the flow of life, isn't it? One can, one can use even the most uh, unfair and most horrendous situations as dhammas rather than as, as uh, <coughs> things one should resent and, and uh, fear. But in saying that's not likely to happen, but, but the flow of life is this way. We, we, sometimes we have people come and stealing things, stole our donation box <coughs> a couple of months ago. Some young punks came in, and I don't know if punk is the right word. That's a good word these days, isn't it? Right. <laughs> 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 Top Secret's going to hate me. Well. <laughs> Generation girls, <laughs> young tops come in and they they snatch the uh, snatch the donation box out of the information room. That's not right. They shouldn't be doing that. But that, even though that's that's right, they should. <coughs> but yet, life is like this, and there's. Ignorance in the world is going to be those kind of incidences. It's, it's sometimes I'm surprised that there isn't more of it. If it was any other country in the world, it would have been snatched long ago. <laughs> so, you know, one, one, it doesn't mean one doesn't <clears throat> take uh, precautions and all that, but it's, but it's also, don't, don't let these, even the, the crimes, and the uh, uh, and the, the the wars and the uh, horrors of life be things that that uh, just uh, that frighten you and and create uh, mental blocks emotional blocks but one can actually reflect and use these kind of experiences wisely and and they're strengthening and liberating rather than uh, frightening and uh, that which blocks us and prevents us from peacefulness and happiness and contentment. And remember that we're not here to be happy. This is, we're not trying to seek happiness as our goal. <coughs> and so when you're trying to just live, live this life to try to be happy, um, then you've got it wrong because this is, we're not, this is, even though happiness is a part of our life, it's not we're not asking you to be happy, or don't try to be happy. Don't think that happiness is something you, you should have. It's, uh, happiness comes and goes, it's like anything. But life is like this. Sometimes it's happy, sometimes it's not. But there's this, this idea that we should be happy, and that happiness is everything. But it's not. It's a condition that depends on on other on causes, so we're not nibbana isn't isn't the happiness that comes from from uh, getting what you want, or or it's not it's not a <coughs> something that that depends on other conditions, but it is the freedom. As they say, the highest happiness is through non-attachment. And I agree when you. When there's non-attachment, it's quite, mind quite, quite beautiful. 
the nature of the mind is beautiful, bright and peaceful. It's not, it's not ugly and dark. But if you're if you're attached to things, and then you can then you get. Uh, and if you're attached to the idea that you should be happy and you want happiness, then you're always whenever happiness you don't feel happy, then you always go around looking for it. <coughs> and that is the sansara cycle of always desperately looking for happiness and, and uh, having moments and then that increases your desire for it. But through wise reflection, understanding of Dhamma, then you then the desire for happiness falls away. And when you let the desire for happiness falls away, then what's left is is as it is for you to, to know. You can call it happy or whatever you want. It's better to 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 use as is because then you because happy is a is a loaded word in English language, isn't it? It's a loaded word. You you say I want to be happy, and happy is uh, just like love and happiness are are kind of. Endless, used over and over again for very worldly, very gross kind of experiences. So love and happiness can mean anything. There's a wide range of, from ultimate realization and union with, with God to, to uh, uh, getting happy over eating a McDonald's hamburger. That's why we, we, we define, we try to use, because our English language, we use words oftentimes quite heedlessly and, and uh, repetitively, and, and, and they kind of have their, some are quite fashionable, and others are terribly hackneyed and overused and meaningless. To, uh, they're used for things that, uh, or words can change their meaning because we apply them to things that they, they weren't originally meant to, to define. This is where, you know, you see when I teach, I try to, to decide on how I'm going to use a word. Because, because language, we need to clarify how we're going to use words. What we mean is language is for communication. So you, somebody uh, can use happiness or joy or uh, shame or guilt or and have, mean totally, they can mean totally different things. So in, uh, in, in our use of English language, we, then we try to, to say, well, when by happiness, when I say happiness, I mean the kind of feeling you have when you get what you want. That's what I call happiness. And joy is the experience that you have of, of giving, when you give something selflessly, and all, make offerings and give selflessly, that feeling that comes from that kind of action is, is what I call joy. So when I talk about happiness, I'm, I'm what I generally mean is the feeling I have when I get what I want. There's a kind of happiness there, isn't it? You want something and you get it, you feel happy. And then uh, for a moment. But joy is, is, a, is a more 
uh, isn't dependent upon getting what you want, is it? It's being able to give selflessly. That's developing joy in our lives, is the unselfishness. Or if we're looking for happiness, then we have to have lots of money and power to get what we want. You know, go down to Herod's and, and every day, like some people do, and buy <coughs> things you want so you can be happy. <coughs> some people live just for shopping, don't they? Just to go shopping, to get something you want, because then you have a moment of happiness. But then it doesn't last very long. American now called credit cards anonymous. <laughs> People get addicted to using their credit cards. And like AA and NA, you know, like credit cards anonymous. <laughs> Twelve step program. Oh, you get uh, like I think that's one thing that the Donna of the Asian community is always impressed with it, because it's always that it has this joyous quality because it's a giving giving uh, expression and the joy they get from it